0: Welcome to The Bruce Siski Show. Follow The Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using this short code 84454. You're listening to The Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL.
1: It is 10.08 on this Tuesday morning, 19th of December, 2023. Bruce Siski's show on KDAL. Uh, members of the Duluth East Alumni Group, the Duluth East Hockey Program, celebrating their 75th, 75th anniversary. Uh, they'll be in studio here about 10.35. We'll talk about their big celebration coming up and all the things uh, Greyhound Hockey. But first talk some basketball and joining us now from the timberwolves radio network the voice of the best team in the nba according to rick carlisle the best team on the planet alan horton good morning (laughs) bruce hello and greetings from
2: south florida where it is a absolutely spectacular morning here sunshine and about uh not too warm it's about 62 degrees
1: (laughs) not too warm let's see i what do i have here hang on comfortable I can
2: tell you. it's very comfortable it's a balmy 62
1: i got 23 here which is our normal high for today so i guess i can't complain about being 23 at 10 8 in the morning
2: yeah well we're about to go to philadelphia so that'll that'll change things in a hurry.
1: <laughs> well my guess is there still will be a lot of snow on the ground because we have none here so I, I can't imagine they got a lot in philly either no but it's probably windy and cold and dark yeah. and uh but that's the way philly fans like it <laughs> That explains a whole lot, actually. Uh, yeah. So, so last night uh, they're down 17 in the first half. This is becoming old hat. Almost they're down 17 in the first half. Ah, eh, no big deal. We'll come back.
2: Yeah, I mean it's um, you know they found different ways to win games. It's the third time they've rallied from 15 or more down to win a game this year. They've they've have more 20 point leads than any team in the league. So you know they've kind of run the gamut in how to win games. Uh, close finishes, blowouts. Uh, coming from behind, all sorts of different things. Uh, And they just find ways to win games. And even when it's going completely wrong, the Wolves couldn't stop turning the ball over in the first half. uh, They managed to just completely turn that off in the second half. They only had three turnovers. And next thing you know, you're right back in the game.
1: Defense, we've talked about this already, Alan. Defense is sustainable. And it it can bring you back. In a game like last night where you don't have a lot going your way, Miami scored what 42 points after halftime you know Dallas couldn't score after halftime on Thursday nights in Dallas and you know this is becoming the the, the real theme of this team is is it feels like they just wear down offenses
2: yeah well when they, when they finally defend I mean I think this has been a trend the last three games they've given up some big first half numbers and then they buckled down in the second half um I mean they gave up 66 points in the first half to Miami last night and then as you mentioned 42 in the second half those are Those are tremendous numbers, Um, and and when they get after it and they're at the point of attack, being up, being physical, which was what they did in the second half, um, they're really tough to beat. It's really tough to score against them.
1: Alan Horton, Timberwolves radio network, joining us before they head to Philadelphia and take on the 76ers tomorrow night. Our coverage at five forty-five here on KDAL. So it, I, I've been around teams that have won. You've been around teams that have won. You've also we've also been around the opposite when we're getting teams that are in a that are in a bit of a funk. And a lot of times when when a team's in a funk. The coaches, they they like to try to keep things positive. They try to keep the energy up. They try to get their guys to focus on maybe one or two things that are really important to winning in hopes that if they can do that, they can turn things around. When they're winning, they're nitpicking. I got to think the head coach is not happy with the way his team is starting games right now.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think you could see the frustration kind of boil over when Chris Finch picked up that technical at the end of the second quarter um, on a call that he thought uh, Kyle Anderson, right at the end of the uh, quarter – he thought he got fouled. Instead, they called the foul on Kyle Anderson, and uh, Chris Finch really went after Zach Zarba there. Um, and I think that signified how upset he was at the way the Wolves came out and played in that first half, because that was a marquee matchup last night. We finally had two teams that were completely healthy. You got Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, their big three. The Wolves are completely healthy with Ant, Rudy, Pat. I mean, it was just it was great. And that fourth quarter was as. I mean, I I don't know where to rank things. It's, I always have a tough time with that. I just really enjoyed the heck out of that fourth quarter, and I think anybody who watched or listened to it, I think they felt the same way. It was back and forth. It was big-time shot-making. Both teams were dialed in. The lead went back and forth, and then big shots down the stretch, whether it's Rudy's block to trigger Ant for a dunk, whether it's Ant's turnaround, uh, banking it in for two to, to push the lead to double figures, or, or, or two possessions, I should say. Um, it was just really really great basketball I mean that's what this league is all about that's what it's capable of when you get two teams together um, and to go on the road and, and pull out wins like this is just it's the best to go into someone else's building the crowd is loud they're into it they're all lathered up by the fourth quarter it's um it's everything that makes this game great
1: uh Alan somebody brought up last night you know, that fourth quarter and I, and I watched it uh, as a lot of people did and and there were probably four or five you know, kind of signature key moments that help turn this thing around. It's almost impossible to pick one, though.
2: Yeah, no, there was a there was a cat lob to Rudy, which was yep. just unbelievable in such a big moment. Those two lock eyes and were like, "Yeah, let's do this." And Cat just <laughs> lobs it up there, Rudy. I mean, that was an incredible play, which was off of an offensive rebound. I think Ant missed the shot initially, uh, and Cat was pivoting. And he looked like he was going to shoot it, and then he passes. I mean, that's just an incredible play. And You're right. That was that was one of a handful, really, for both sides, too. And it was um you know, it it was always it's always sweet to be Jimmy Butler, too. I I thought really was an on factor down the stretch. And um, you know, Ant has always looked up for Jimmy and sort of his game and patterned his game after after Butler, and I think Ant got the best of him last night. Ant was tremendous once again.
1: How much has Rudy Gobert's effectiveness defensively Affected the aggressiveness of the other guys on the team when they defend. Like, like, you you make a mistake and somebody gets by you, that's fine. They've got to get by him, too.
2: Yeah, and last year it wasn't like that. It was, okay, we've got Rudy behind us. We can just funnel everybody to him. That puts too much pressure on one individual. Uh, But when Rudy's defending like he is, and I think he's healthier than he was last year, I think he's more comfortable than he was last year, and I think his teammates are more comfortable in realizing also that you know, the coaching staff preached to them, hey, we can't rely on Rudy. You have to defend at the point of attack. And that's why you've got guys like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who is just, I mean, he's just tremendous defensively. He's got the number one defensive field goal percentage in the NBA, which means when teams shoot against him and he's the closest defender, they're shooting 39%. That's the best mark in the league. Uh, you got Jaden McDaniels, who I still don't think is has really hit his stride yet with all the injuries he's suffered, the foul issues he continues to get into. Uh, you've got just tremendous defenders, and when you've got guys at the perimeter defending at that level, and Rudy defending at his level at the rim, it's a, it's a it's a it's an awesome combination. It really is.
1: When you have a guy like Nikhil Alexander Walker playing at the level he's at, and he's I don't think he's necessarily the offensive threat that Jaden McDaniels is, but defensively, boy oh boy, has he been good. How much does that you know take pressure off of Jaden? Not just in terms of what he has to do on the yeah. floor, but in this case, just getting him trying to get him as healthy as possible.
2: Yeah, it's just another weapon that Chris Finch has. And, and while Jaden was out for eight games with the ankle and then two games to start the year with the calf, I mean, Nikhil just steps right in. And he's got such a great mindset that uh, just talking to him the other day about yesterday after shootaround shoot-around about your mindset, whether coming off the bench or starting, and he's just like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I know my role on this team. Um, when, when someone's out, I step in. When I'm not, I'm coming off the bench and I'm bringing energy and, and bringing that defensive presence. So he's bringing it no matter what role he's put into He's been an unbelievable fit. As great as Mike Conley has been, um, you know, the unsung hero in that trade is is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I mean, he's just turned into such a valuable piece, Um, and he's done the same thing for the Canadian national team. He's just fit right in here, and uh, he's, he's hopefully here to stay for a long time.
1: Uh, Ant only had nine in that first game back Thursday in Dallas. I think he shot like three for 20 or something like that in, in 34 minutes or so. Got out to a tough start Saturday against Indiana. Seemed like, you know, from, from what I read, Mike Conley kind of helped settle him down a little bit and get him back, uh, kind of being Ant. And since then, he's been just fine. He's got back-to-back 30-point games. Safe to say Ant's back?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. If it just took a little. You knew it was going to take a little bit of time to get his rhythm, get his shooting touch going. Uh, but with that second quarter against Indiana when he put in 18 points and just couldn't miss from the field, he finished that game 14 of 19. And then he just continued it against Miami, um, even though he got off to a little bit of a slow start. And he's not just scoring,
1: Bruce. He's just, he, you
2: know, he's getting the eight rebounds. He's got five assists. He had three fields excuse me, three seals last night, two blocks. I mean, he's just, he's filling up the stat sheet. He does whatever you need him to do. And I, I think we're just seeing that he is just, he is rising to the occasion as the, as the lights get a little brighter and uh, more people realize that the 20-5 Timberwolves team is for real um, across the NBA. He's he's rising to the occasion, lifting his game up.
1: Uh, finally, uh, you're heading to Philadelphia to take on the Sixers tomorrow night. Uh, my guess, and, and I haven't been paying attention injury reports, I'm going to guess that we don't avoid Joel Embiid this time.
2: I hope so. I hope we. I hope we get to see Joel Embiid. I think so too. I haven't actually looked at Philly's recent run either. I know they're coming off a loss last night to the Chicago Bulls at home, so they'll be ornery coming up tomorrow night. But let's hope. Let's hope we get stars against stars. I. I, I want to see it. I want Embiid against Cat and and Rudy and see what they can do against um the Wolves bigs. And then you know Tyrese Maxey and Kelly Oubre has always kind of hurt the Wolves. But the way Minnesota is playing right now and accepting every challenge, they're not. They're just not satisfied with anything they've done. They're just, they're just tackling the game that's up next on the schedule. It might be a cliche, but it's the next one up, that's the most important. And that's the way they're facing it. They're playing like that, too. They're just, you know, they have, they're not the team that's being hunted. Maybe they're being hunted, but they feel like they're still hunting. They still feel like they have something to prove. And I think that's a little bit, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the difference um, that this team, their, their mindset is right now
1: what does it say about this schedule that, that the Wolves are in right now, Alan, as we wrap up here with you? I know you got you got a bus to catch, but what does it say about the stretch they're in right now that the Lakers might be the easiest game they got here coming up in the next couple of weeks?
2: Fifteen <laughs> consecutive <laughs> games against teams with a five hundred or better record. Actually over five hundred yeah. at the time of this streak started. So they're three and one on this stretch, which is remarkable to begin with. And it just continues right through Christmas, right through New Year's, into the second week in January. Um, yeah, it's it's just a gauntlet. It's the Lakers uh, on a second of a back-to-back. Nice. Then the Wolves go right back on the road. and They go to Sacramento. Then they come home for like a day and a half and go right back on the road. They celebrate Christmas at home and then go into OKC. That's the team that's trying to track down the Wolves in the Western Conference standings. And it's just, it keeps going from there with another matchup against Dallas and then Boston. Orlando's in there. There's a couple other teams. It's just it's an unbelievable gauntlet. I don't know that I've ever seen 16 consecutive games like that. Part of it's, you know, just the fluke. Who knew that Orlando would be over 500, Indiana over 500? but that's the way it's broken, and it's, uh, it's one huck of a test. That's for sure.
1: Uh, Allen, safe travels to Philadelphia. We're looking forward to the call tomorrow night against the 76ers, and happy holidays to you and yours. We'll talk you again after the new year.
2: Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. and All the best uh, to everybody.
1: All right. Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network, uh, joining us before they hit the road to Philadelphia and the matchup with the 76ers tomorrow night. Our coverage again 545 tomorrow here on KDAL. We will not have Thursday's game uh, with the Lakers on the radio. We will have Saturday's game from Sacramento at 9 o'clock here on KDAL. The full schedule, you can see it. At any point in time you'd like to look it up, just go to KDAL610.com. Click on the Midwest Duluth Sports Schedules link you see right there on the front page. Ten twenty, more to come, including more on the Duluth East Hockey 75th Anniversary Celebration. A couple of guests in studio after 10-35. It's 10-20 right now. Bruce Sisky show on a Tuesday, 610 103.9 KDAL. We're brought to you by Sanju, Sanju Polaris, Sanju.com where the cars are. Mike Grimm standing by for the Gopher update on KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. We'll talk University of Minnesota football after this how much can you save when
2: you shop cub let's just say you might need a bigger cart we've lowered prices so you save more on essential every day it's easy to see the savings across the aisles from pantry products to frozen foods to delicious dairy and more your family will love it guaranteed or your money back shop cub and save today
1: my cub my way see store for details the Golden Gopher football team will square off against Bowling Green one week from today at the Quick Lane Bowl at
0: Detroit's Ford Field. Minnesota senior quarterback Cole Kramer of Eden Prairie will be making his first career start in that game. I'm beyond excited. It's a great opportunity for both me and my teammates take me through how it all came about once the wisconsin game was over uh you probably had some plans that maybe got altered when all of the transfer portal news came out and um where that kind of that week after that game took us all here
3: yeah you know my plan after the game was to be done you know there's a lot of stuff going on in my life with you know getting married and finding a job and you know moving and everything like that um you know all the coaches supported me um You know, they were all for it. But, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, some roster changes occurred and I was on the phone and, uh, you know, it it came about that, you know, I could start and, you know, that's an absolute yes, especially someone that's, you know, grown up in Minnesota. um, You know, this has been a dream of mine ever since I was young and to be able to get this opportunity, it means the world.
1: That's Golden Gopher quarterback Cole Kramer. We'll hear more from Cole in tomorrow's Daily Update. Next Tuesday's game is set to kick off at 1 o'clock. We'll take air on many of
0: these Gopher Radio Network stations at 11 o'clock. For more info on the game, go to gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. KDAL. That's pretty much my news. Streaming live on the KDAL mobile app.
1: 1026. Kind of moving some things around here this hour. But we've got Dick and Will Fisher from Duluth East Hockey. Their 75th anniversary season is underway. Big alumni event happening coming up here in a few days. We'll talk about that coming up. But first, CBS News at 10:26 on KDAO.
0: The Bruce Siski Show. Well, so I'm being told that Average Joe's does not have enough players and will be forfeiting the championship match. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for us. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAO. <laughs>
1: 1030 at KDAL, Sunshine Outside, 23 Airport, 25 Superior, 25 Downtown. Tomorrow, Andy Herman from the Pack-A-Day Podcast. We will discuss the Packers, the decision to retain Joel Barry, at least for now, as defensive coordinator. With uh, four, one of the foremost Packers experts out there, we got a daily podcast on the Packers. Uh, Thursday, Dave Starman, NHL Network. We will do our annual World Juniors Preview On the radio show Thursday, the World Juniors beginning one week from today out in Sweden, United States among the favorites this year to win the gold. The Duluth East Boys Hockey Program is celebrating its 75th anniversary season with us in studio, a couple of Duluth East alumni and uh, a longtime member of the Duluth East family, Dick Fisher, and also Will Fisher. Good morning, gentlemen. Get you going nice and close to those microphones because they get very fussy. Uh, Dick, we'll start with you. Um, Some reflections on on your time playing hockey for Duluth East and and part of the alumni family with the Greyhounds.
4: Okay. uh, Well, we started in, like, uh, 59 when we were sophomores, and we graduated in 61 when we were seniors. And... uh, it was kind of an interesting time. Glenn Raleigh was the, was the hockey coach, of course, and uh, he had a kind of a senior-laden team when we were all sophomores. And he got about halfway through the season and they were underperforming. And he said, uh, all right, I'm taking my sophomores and filling in the team and I'm getting rid of my, getting rid of my seniors. So we had uh, quite a uh, awakening as uh, as sophomores. We finished out the season, and then in our junior year, uh, we kind of uh, got together and uh, played quite well. And uh, in the regional finals, we lost to Eveleth, but at that time, region Southwest Minnesota didn't have a team, so they alternated a second team between region eight, which was Northwest Minnesota, and, and our region. And so we went as a second team that year in 1960, and Eveleth went as number one because they beat us in the finals like 2-1 to one or 3-2. to two. So unfortunately, they lost their first two games, and we won uh, all three and won the state tournament in 1960. Then the following year, uh, we beat International Falls in the finals, and uh, quite a fight erupted after that uh, game. And then unfortunately, when we went down, we won our first game and lost our second game two. Uh, who was that? South St. Paul's Doug Woog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Who later became yep. the Minnesota coach. Yep, yep. And then uh, then we won that third place. So that was our two years of uh, se- success and
1: semi-success at the state tournament. And that, it, it's, it's amazing because you think about the lineage of this program is, is such that, yeah, you guys saw the success in the 50s and 60s, and it's not like it stopped happening. It's incredible to think about because there are so many high-level programs in the state, and Duluth East has been right up there, it feels like, this entire time. Uh, they've maintained a the high level uh, probably because of the feeder
4: system. And, uh, you know, back then there was Lester Park, Portman, Congdon, Longview, Lower Chester, uh, Glen Avon, and Woodland. So there's quite a feeder system to the – they're all outdoor r- out rinks, and et cetera. But um, uh, everybody says, oh, yeah, those players back then couldn't compete today. <laughs> I'd say, <laughs> if those same players were alive today, they'd be the same group of guys that would be that'd be the cream of the crop again. So that that's my – my point on that
1: one. well it, it's 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 a different time right i mean and and will you know this because you, you play right now yeah. training methods aren't the same practices yeah. aren't the same you know I, I i think back to you know stories i've heard of you know even in the 80s where you weren't you know you were playing hockey in the summer that that was that was a, you're playing baseball yeah you know you're not going to play hockey all summer long like they do now you know, training is is a is a way different animal now. You know, training camps back in the day were for players to get in shape. Now, if you don't show up in shape, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's a little different time. So those athletes, Dick, from back then, they'd be subjected to those same training methods. They'd be even better now than they were then. Same thing, uh, and I, I I think hit the uh, the nose right on the
4: button. So. Uh, those same athletes that were good back then would be the same cream of the crop. No, they'd have the same advantages. And another thing, think about it, they're a lot faster now. Their shots are better. Well, mm-hmm. their sticks are better. Yep. Uh, their <laughs> skates are better. Their their equipment is lighter. So, of course, they're faster. The game goes faster. But uh, back then, you, d- you had what you had and made the best of it. So this, the same players would be up number one now.
1: Uh, Dick and Will Fisher in studio, Duluth East Hockey 75th season celebration happening. Uh, I'm going to guess when you played, the game felt fast? Uh, as fast as we could make it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but I'm saying that because it's all about perspective, right? It, it, you, know, you guys thought the game was fast because that's what you had at the time. Nowadays, we think the game is faster because it's just the way the game is played now. It's, it's a different era. And they are faster. Yeah.
4: yeah, <laughs> Equipment-wise. Well, Again, but you know,
1: better skates, lighter pads. You're not carrying as much weight. I'm I'm guessing that the pads you wore, you you were carrying some weight by the end of the game. Uh, if you worked hard, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It
4: make up for a little bit of a sweat.
1: And of course, that had, that had to go right into the pads. So that's yeah. just exactly. kind of how it worked. Yep, yeah. they've uh, had better better
4: equipment now, and uh, of course, they're playing almost year round. Also,
1: versus multi sports. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will, where'd you grow up in, in Duluth? Which neighborhood rink were you a part of? I was
3: part of Congdon. Okay. I played Portman for one
1: year. So. Okay. Uh, what was that experience like growing up? And, and I mean, by now, you, you know the family history as you're, mm-hmm. as you're getting older. You're aware of it, and, you, and you're aware of the program's history.
3: Yep. Yeah. You know, growing up, it was nice. I lived two blocks away from the rink. I could go walk and skate anytime I wanted. I went to school at Congdon, so, you know, sometimes at recess we could skate it was nice and growing up I really looked up to the guys who played high school hockey and that's all I ever wanted to do as a kid and then once I finally got there you know it was a proud accomplishment and had a great three years my senior year you know we lost in the state championship couldn't win one like grandpa here but it was a lot of fun we had a great group of guys and um, I think it's also a testament to the program you know a lot of guys stay and play their senior year and don't leave like other places in the state and you know just shows what you can do as a team if you stay. And that's all part of high school hockey is to play with your buddies.
1: Uh, for you, uh, and I'm trying to, to think back to the, the guys around, the, It's it all runs together for me. I've been doing mm-hmm. this for way too long. But but some of the guys you played with and, and uh, maybe still keep in touch with.
3: Yep. I, st- I still play with a handful of them too. Yeah, that's you, true. You know, Nick Lanigan, um, he's on my team at St. Glasgow. He's one of my best friends. And, you know, we graduated the same year. And, you know, we had a lot of guys from that team go on and play junior hockey, college hockey. Pretty successful.
1: Uh, you guys are off to a decent start at Saint Scholastica. Mm-hmm. Great start, <laughs> nine and nine and oh, I think second in the nation. So pretty cool. A lot of support from the school.
3: A lot of kids come out and you know watch us play. It's great to see that.
1: What, what's this uh, been like for you at CSS? I know you're dinged up right now, but but uh, the, you know last year you guys won the Mayak regular season, which yep. was awesome. It, your first conference championship in any sport in that league for Saint Scholastica, and now you know this year. It feels like no matter what the situation is, somebody throws at you, you guys are finding a way through it.
3: Yep. You know, a lot of adversity. We're the team to beat. We just got to come every day and, you know, do what we know we can do. But just have fun through it all.
1: Uh, What's it been like with Dave Williams at the helm?
3: Love him. He's a great coach. You know, we kind of got thrown into a weird situation, but he's
1: really become his own coach, and I love playing
3: for him. He's great leader. What does
1: that say about him? Because that was a weird thing. He he got thrown as an interim, and Mm -hmm. and and it felt like from talking to him a couple times, it feels like from the second he took over, he took over. Like he there wasn't any trepidation on his part. He was going to be the head guy, and if 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 it didn't work, it didn't work. But he's going to do it his way. Yep. And I think that's
3: exactly what he's done is do it his way. I love his coaching style. He's smart. He played the game. He knows how it works. He was he played at Saint Scholastica. So it's great to see an alumni there coaching, not some outside guy. So,
1: uh, Back to Duluth East here. And, and Dick, you know, we, we talk about – he talked about dreaming of, of being a Greyhound. That's what he thought about growing up. Growing well, up for you, do you have memories of that, of, of you, know, you see these guys that are playing on the high school team and you want to be a part of that as you get older? Um, Interesting question. <laughs> Would I want to be a part of it? Yeah.
4: Um, Indirectly, yes. I enjoy watching it. So uh, I've got too many other things to do. So I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> it's a different era now. I think they think a little differently. They're faster.
1: They're quicker. <laughs> they shoot harder. Um, well, I mean, I meant when, the, you, when you were growing up, did, was it was, was it something on your mind as you were growing up that you wanted to be a greyhound? Oh, absolutely.
4: Um, there were. There were individuals ahead of us that were playing for Duluth East um I can't remember their their coach at the time but um that was the idea uh progress get better the goal was to play at the next level I think that was in everybody's mind at that time that was a fun fun
1: time there's been a lot of outreach here uh, from alumni and 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 you know guys that have played here and, and been a part of this program over the last you know, however many years now as as the 75th season is underway. If, if you heard from people that have, maybe you hadn't heard from it in a long time as as this celebration approaches here, uh, there's
4: been a few few phone calls wondering uh, what's going on, and I'm say well it's it's their time and <laughs> uh, the North East is um, it's been in the top I don't. Know, top 10, 15 uh, teams in in the state for a number of years, which speaks well
1: of the program. And you guys have a celebration coming up on December 23rd before uh, Moundsview. Just, you know, how much are you guys are looking forward to, to – to, I know you aren't going to be able to play in it necessarily, Will, mm-hmm. but, but what, how, how much are you guys are looking forward to seeing having this celebration here and, and marking the, 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 this accomplishment for this great program, 75 years?
4: There are a few of us that are going to get together and we'll drag some of the other uh, hockey players at that vintage time and <laughs> bring them along even though they're on a, a different team. And uh, just enjoy it for what it's, what it's, what it's indi- indicative of, the good hockey we've heard about for years and seen. So it's a great
1: time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heritage Center, I, I guess I should ask about that too because we you talk about the outdoor rinks that we you guys grew up playing on, and obviously the indoor facilities in Duluth maybe weren't the best for a while there either, but boy, oh, boy, the Heritage Center, that was a home run, isn't it? Uh home run. Thank Pat Francisco and
4: uh huh, <laughs> big big part of it.
1: Yeah, now Pat, uh, we had Pat on the show earlier this year actually when he got inducted into the deck Hall of Fame. It was, uh, yeah, he, he certainly was a big big part of the Heritage Center. Huge, huge. I don't think
4: uh, a lot of people recognize the input that he had and the influence of bringing people for financial contributions and just did a wonderful wonderful
1: job. Can't say enough about him. That's all happening Saturday at the Heritage Center before the Mounds View Varsity and Junior Varsity Games. Guys, thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Good to see you. Congratulations on this program's success. Congratulations on the Saints' success as well, Will. Thank you. Best of luck the rest of the season. Get healthy. Mm -hmm. Please do that. (laughs) And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys this weekend. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Dick and Will Fisher, Duluth East Hockey, 75th anniversary celebration happening at the Heritage Center this weekend. 1044 KDAL. You
0: miss a part of the show or you can't believe what Bruce said. You can podcast at KDAL610.com. 1047.
1: That's kind of rearranging some things this morning. We appreciate everyone's time. Dick and Will Fisher with Duluth East Hockey, Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network. I mentioned Andy Herman, Packaday Podcast. Tomorrow we'll discuss more of the decision of Matt LaFleur to keep defensive coordinator Joe Barry on staff and calling defensive plays at least through the remainder of this 2023 season. There are some aspects of this, and if you listened to the radio show yesterday, you probably know that I how I feel about this. And I'm not a big fire-the-coach guy anymore. I used to be. I understand nowadays that a lot of times there's issues that don't involve the coach. And I'm certainly not going to absolve the players of responsibility here. But we're in week 16 of the NFL season. And I'm hearing the head coach talk about lack of communication or poor communication on the defensive side of the ball, and it's leading to a lot of problems. And I'm like, well... At some point, it's got to fall at the feet of the coaches because you can only have miscommunication as an excuse for so long when you're in year three running the same defense and the same things keep happening. I, you you run out of the runway to use that as an excuse. So I'll see how Andy feels about it tomorrow. He's usually a little more measured than I am, so we'll see how this goes at about 10-10 tomorrow. And then I'm really looking forward to Thursday and Dave Starman, our annual preview of the World Junior Hockey Championship, which begins in Gothenburg, Sweden, on Tuesday of next week. Uh, No Bulldogs taking part, which is, of course, good and bad. It's bad because we like to see UMV players get this type of, of major international experience. It's important, but it's also a silver lining because the Bulldogs actually have games next week at the Quick Trip Holiday face-off next Thursday against Northeastern, 4 o'clock here on KDAL. And then next Friday, time and opponent to be determined. From Fiserv Forum in Milwaukee, the home of the Milwaukee Bucks. Looking forward to heading down there for that uh, next week. and That's why I will not be here. Tom Robick will be sitting in next Tuesday through Friday with best of radio shows 10 to 11 each of those days. Uh, wild fall last night, 4-3 uh, to the Penguins. They wrap up the road trip tonight in Boston. Matt Zuccarello, a late scratch last night thanks to an upper body injury. We don't really know a whole lot there. All we know is that the head coach, John Hines, said after the game that Zuccarello is day-to-day. So hopefully this is not a long-term absence for Zuccarello. He's able to return soon, and the Wild really need to get healthy on the blue line because woof. Goligoski, Merrill, even Bogosian were playing starring roles in Pittsburgh goals last night. They're in Boston tonight. Coverage at 545 on AM 710. 1050, wrap it up in a moment. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL.
0: AM610, KDAL News, Weather, Sports.
1: 1059, sunshine prevailing outside. Wind starting to pick up out of the southwest as the temperatures warm up. Gone up, like, 15 degrees the last couple hours. Hopefully that continues throughout the day. Tomorrow, Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day podcast. We will discuss the Packers at a tipping point in their 2023 season and the future of defensive coordinator Joe Barry. All that tomorrow. Have a great day. Thank you for listening
0: today. This has been the Bruce Sisky Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No. Yes. No. Well...